Well, first, Isabel, everybody, everybody calls me Izzy. Well, okay. I just, I wanted your permission before I called you Izzy and then, mm-hmm. okay. And so, okay, hang on now. I'm a one language guy. I tried Spanish in high school and I failed miserably. <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to go with, uh, Por- Poirier. Poirier. Almost. All right. Poirier. Poirier. What? Say- Poirier. Oh, they're both silent. Oh, dang. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm not going to get it, but I'll do my best. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Show my ignorance. <laughs> right out, right no, out no, of, no. It's all good. Right out of the gate. Oh, no. <laughs> all right. Well, we press record, so we may as well just get into it. All right. Here we go. This is Going Boldly, the podcast. Here's your host, Russ the Big Guy. Hi, it is Russ the Big Guy. I'm a lifelong entrepreneur who is very familiar with the struggles and successes related to running a business. I know it is definitely worth the struggle. The freedom and unlimited potential keep me moving forward, fueled by my why. Aligned with that is my desire to share with you, the entrepreneur and aspiring business owner, entertainment, information, inspiration, and even transformation into an even more amazing entrepreneur and human. To those ends, please enjoy this episode of Going Boldly. Hey, it's Russ. I am here. Uh, as you may know, we had a little leakage over in the podcast studio and I've relocated to my home office temporarily. Um, this is the third podcast that I've recorded today. They're all good, but uh, this is a good one. This is going to be the best one for the day um, because uh, this young lady I have here on the podcast, a young woman, I should say, excuse me, um, is pretty cool, pretty amazing. And you listeners are going to just love this. Um, and I did, I dug into her background a little bit and she doesn't know it yet, but she is going to be like the ideal poster child for the um, successful entrepreneur making the journey from where she was to where she wants to be as an entrepreneur. So it's my privilege already and joy so far to have, let me see if I can get the name right, Isabel, and she's given me permission to call her Izzy. And her last name um, is Pear Tree in French, and I'm going to try to say Poirier. Poirier. I know I killed it, Izzy. I'm so sorry. It's all good. It's Poirier. (laughs) Say it again. Say it again for the people in the back. Poirier. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So obviously I don't speak French and um, Izzy, Izzy, Izzy's second language is English. So um, I'm already, um, I'm, I'm already a knucklehead here with the interview, but um, I'm, I'm, strugg- <laughs> I'm struggling with English as it is. And that's what I was born with. But welcome to the podcast. I did a little, as I, as I mentioned to you before we hit record, I dug in a little bit uh, into, you know, into your, into your background. And, and I love the stuff that you're doing now. You may not know this, but I'm actually a creative. I'm actually an artist and an actor. And, um, so I really identify with the stuff that you're doing. I mean, I've, I've basically pretty much made with my little hands, almost everything a graphic designer or, and, or artist could make. I've done it at least oh. once. Yeah. So like I've done, I've done in restaurant interiors, I've done logo designs, I've done mobile graphics, you know, I've done like just sculptures, like painting, everything and, um, caricatures. Yeah. It's all good stuff. So I like, love it. I love talking to creative people. So what I, what I want our listeners to know is that Izzy is a brand designer from Ottawa. 
Uh, and that's mm-hmm. in Canada for those of you who are way down south. Um, <laughs> she she runs IP Designs, and uh, I'm guessing that's those are your initials. Although it could be Intellectual Property Designs. You're doing graphics. Um, You're doing logos. no. Actually, it is my initials. You got it right. Yeah. But I kind of like that people are guessing, and mm. like I, I I would like to do a campaign at some point. Be like intelligent process, impressive. P something, you know, I love it. Um, she's the founder of Ottawa design club. Mm-hmm. She has a unique immersive product that she's going to tell us about as well. And she is going boldly. And that's the most important thing for our podcast. We have, uh, aspiring entrepreneurs and we have some, some existing business owners, you know, we have, we have people who may still be in the cubicle waiting to get out and so they're going to be super inspired by you and your story so let's let's start it now normally i don't do this but i'm really really curious so let's let's go back to the beginning um little izzy you know what nurtured little izzy um uh, particularly her her creativity hmm Well, my mother happens to be a visual arts teacher, so I was extremely lucky to be raised in a creative environment. Wow. My mother, yeah, my my mother. You got the nurture and nature. Yes. (laughs) Um, my, My mother has a very incredible talent where she draws with pencils that are, and she, she mixes them as if it was oil and it just makes like incredible images at the end. And I remember sitting by her side when I was like six, seven, eight years old and just like watching her mix colors together and that translating to shapes or faces or, you know, landscapes. Um, and that's where I fell in love with everything creative. And I was, I remember trying to do what she was doing and getting frustrated because I couldn't. And I would ask for her help and she would kindly stop what she was doing and, you know, help me out and then go back to it with, which now (laughs) personally, whenever I'm in a groove, I don't want to get disturbed. So like the fact that she would stop and get away from her bubble to help me out is like the most loving loving thing a parent can do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so you weren't sort of relegated to coloring, like, like coloring, um, I don't know, Phineas and Ferb coloring books or something. I mean, you were, you were, you were beyond that already, even just getting started as a little girl. Mm-hmm. I would, I, my, my mother taught me to, to look at stuff and trying to replicate. Yeah. Um, but I always had issues with proportions. So, <laughs> Um, which I kind of adopted as a style in university after for paintings. Yeah. Um, but, uh, like she would always tell me like, look, take your time, take pause and try doing textures. And, but at the same time, she would teach me like the principles, like try to not color outside the lines, but maybe use ink instead of you know, your, your wax crayons, <laughs> you know, mm. um, she would push me with other mediums, which was really great. Yeah. And, and so uh, when you were in school, were the, were you like that, um, like, uh, 
Oh, oh, Izzy's. We've got to make sure that Izzy's uh, painting or drawing gets hung out in the hallway. Or, you know, were you encouraged to, um, you know, enter the the scholastic art competitions or whatever your schools might have for you? Was that was that kind of your life? Were you like the go to artist for for the local yearbooks and whatnot? Oh yes, <laughs> um, to a point where I remember in tenth grade, I actually auditioned to the school play to sing because this is a hobby of mine that I really liked. And back then I was taking singing lessons as well. And I know for a fact that my teacher pulled me out of, um, the, the, the after school repetitions specifically so I could be in the, um, like making the stage team instead, because it was artistic and I was really mad about that. <laughs> um, but it, to be fair, in ninth grade, I was actually in the singing team. So they're like, try other stuff, like try to push your boundaries. And, you know, it's not because you were good at one thing one year that you can't try something else. And I'm like, fine. <laughs> but I was always like to go to. I was also in a specialized artistic um, high school program, hmm. so it, my my full life was dedicated to being a creative. Wow, that's that's really uh, great. They had that support. Yeah, it's sort of a fine line as a parent, as as a, a mentor, to try to really encourage people to dig into what they really love and they have the natural inclination to do while at the same time encouraging them to try different things you know and not be like typecast or stuck in you know someone else's little box i mean just just because you're a great artist doesn't mean you can't be a a good uh, or even just enjoy hockey for example do you know what i mean mm-hmm. you can do other things don't and t- I think tell me you're a hockey player too <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like that. I I suck at hockey for a Canadian. I I actually can't even skate. (laughs) Oh, 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 but you're, you don't want your neighbors to know that. Yeah. The cat's out of the bag. Uh Oh, Oh, that sounds great. So yeah, you definitely got that support. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So, so when you, um, so I know you got your BFA, right? That's great. And, um, Mm -hmm. And then like, did you go, you got a job somewhere because I was reading or listening somehow, somebody told me that you quit your job. And that was one of the things that I wanted you to share with the listeners too. So I'm not quite, to Mm -hmm. be honest, I'm not quite sure what order to do all this in, but since we came to that point, why don't you, um, kind of give us an idea of what your job was and was that your dream job at the time? Or is that just one you got out of, you know, you got out of college, you've got a degree, you obviously you're looking for a job. You got a job. Was that the one you were in? What? Oh no. Oh, okay. What, what happened? It was a, uh, it was a process. Yeah. After I graduated, actually it took me a bit of time to even find a job. So I waitressed for three years after graduating to be fair, um, Ottawa is really trying to be a creative city, but is not known for that. And we can maybe talk about that later, but that's something yeah. that with the Ottawa design club, I'm trying to change really hard. Okay. Um, but back then, and we were also under a conservative government where creativity was, wasn't necessarily welcomed in our city. And because we are the capital, we happen to be a government city. Mm. So finding work, uh, having a BFA was extremely hard. I would go into interviews and I was literally being told you're too creative. 
Wow. And yeah, as if that was a bad thing. Yeah, they want and, yeah, they want you to follow the rules and stay in the stay in your lane and yeah. Yeah. Do, yeah. Do, yeah, get right. And do to make the when, make the widgets, as I say. That's like it. Say. Make the widgets. That's it. Yeah. And when you graduate, like the only thing that truly matters and after is I need to make money now. I need to pay back my debts. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so I was willing to fit the mold for a little while until I kind of find my, my place. Um, but that did not happen right away. I was really lucky enough to freelance and that's how I fell in love with design, is that but during, it was during, very, I'm sorry. Is oh, that during that three years? That you were freelancing? Uh, yes. Okay, yes. gotcha. Did you, had you started the uh, uh, your project yet, which we didn't mention yet? Had you started creating that? No, not at all. That okay. happened only two years ago. Okay, good. Got it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was freelancing, but it was very hush-hush, like mm. just whenever I was talking to friends and mostly artists because I had a BFA and I, I took a class on how to build websites. So I'm like, Oh, well artists needs portfolios and now everything's online. And, um, there's a big gap between artists and portfolios online and they don't necessarily know how to do that. So I was kind of going to art shows and talking to them and be like, Hey, I could, I could do your portfolio if you want. And I fell in love with design that way and then learn everything print and branding from that. Um, yeah, I love that. Then I, <laughs> yeah, no, that's <laughs> really, you. yeah, no. Uh, hey, uh, you set yourself apart already. I mean, honestly, right. So you, you get out into the work, you know, quote unquote, the real world. Hello, <laughs> surprise, you know, nobody's paying for college. <laughs> nobody's buying your food or books anymore. I don't know, you may have bought your own, but I'm sure you got help somewhere. Uh, most mm -hmm. people do, right? Most people do. And now it's like you said, you got to pay back the money and you got to live. You've got to eat. You, you know, there's all those expenses. And, you know, a lot, some people just like curl up and and you didn't. And that's like, that's really good. That's really uh, um, something to be proud of. And it Thank starts you. to show your, yes. And it starts to show your entrepreneurial spark in there, you know? And, and so there's a kind of a, I've had this conversation with a couple, a couple of guests is, you know, are entrepreneurials made or born, you know, is it, uh, is it uh, nurture or nature? And so we haven't come up with a absolute answer yet, but it's interesting um, to find that spark in people. So yeah, cause you're out hustling basically is what you're doing. Quitting is never an option for me. Yeah. A, a part if it's a bad job, which we'll get to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's it. So after that, um, I was actually hired as an executive assistant for an art gallery. Uh, so I was required to do all the communications for that gallery. So all the art shows, they were also hosting a music festival uh, in, during the summer, um, which wow. was amazing. And uh, I, I had a blast. And after a few months, the director actually said she was going on sabbatical and she was offering me the interim director position. So at 25 years old, I became an art director, I guess, for an yeah. art gallery. Um, and I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I bet you learned fast though. I'm sure you did. Well. You have no choice. <laughs> yeah. And boy, that looks good on paper. If it no, did. If nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> and it was for a nonprofit art gallery too. So there was mm. 
a lot that needed to be learned, like how to get money and grants and hiring students and Mm -hmm. just putting on shows and curating. Like there was a lot going on and because it was a nonprofit, there was limited staff. So not only would I do payroll, but I would also clean the the washrooms. Like I I had like a lot of hats while still doing all the communications because I, I had students helping me with, um, like, like building the art shows with the artists and stuff like that. So, um, but I learned so much and thank God that I had this experience (laughs) because now I can apply it to everything that I'm doing today. Exactly what I I was thinking. You got, you got paid to learn how to run a business, to run your own business. Pretty much. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's awesome. Good for you, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) So after that year, um, I felt that it was time to have a new challenge. And again, because it was a nonprofit, I knew um, I was not necessarily being paid like I should have. That makes sense. It does. Um, uh, Yeah. Um, And uh, I just actually I tried to be freelance, like full time freelance for two months. But I had nothing ready, like for, like I had nothing in place to be able to succeed. I just thought that if I have the time and I tell people that I was free to do work, that it would kind of come, but I was for lack of better term, stupid. <laughs> it didn't, it, I failed. I failed this first time. Yeah. Um, so then I applied to jobs and I got a job at the government as a graphic designer. Nice. Yeah. And that was the, the, the job that I learned everything and nothing at the same time. Mm. Ex- um, explain. It was, it was great at first because I was working for a foresight department. So if you don't know what foresight is, it's studying the present in order to make better assumptions of the future. So I was working with design thinkers, with um, policy people that was extremely smart, but just had this thirst for knowledge and technology and just like looking at how, people live and how things will change. Like to me, that was a very interesting subject and it didn't feel like I was working for the government. Wow. Yeah. That sounds great. It was amazing. And, and the team was so small. We were about like 30 people and that's usually very small for departments in, in the Canadian government. Okay. So we knew everybody, everybody was felt like family. Uh, when we would walk in into the office and we all had like an open space, um, we could write on the walls, however we wanted, because they were treated that way. Even yeah. the windows, um, it was like a very agile workspace. It was, we even had uh, people working remotely that could connect to robots. So I'm, I'm not sure if you've seen that episode of Sheldon when he's sick in, in his room and he has this robot that comes and see the group because he doesn't want to miss anything. <laughs> we had that at work. Wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, this sounds, everything sounds amazing. What was the, what was the bad part? Um, we changed director uh, and oh then everything changed. Yeah. 
Um, and it's a then cliche. we were it's a cliche. It's the, it it's, is the cliche. It, it's a current, it's all over social media right now. It's kind of getting its chance to everybody sharing is people don't quit bad jobs. They quit bad bosses. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it was. And at the same time, we were forced to work on a project. The project was very exciting. Uh, it was related to the 150th birthday of, of Canada. And it was again, like inviting people from everywhere in the government to learn about what is foresight and how they can apply that into their own departments. Yeah. Um, so it, it was huge. It was a, a long-term project. It was over a year and I was asked to do the branding for that. It, it got like amazing reviews, but the, what they were asking of us was ridiculous because we were hosting those monthly events for a hundred and over people, but we were only a team of 30 and we were only a team of four in within the communications and events team. So it was a lot to take on. So I, I think that people listening will, will identify with your, you know, what you've been through. It's kind of uh I was probably typical of what a lot of people have to deal with. I know it's Mm -hmm. similar to what I did. Um, I didn't have probably didn't, I didn't, I know I didn't have any jobs that were quite as nice as the ones you had. However, you know, mine were kind (laughs) of crappy all the way through. And, you know, I was always out hustling at the same time. Um, now, and this is now, is this the job where you, um, you got all your ducks in a row before you left and you knew, you knew where you were going? no. No. So before that, oh. I, um, like, because I was really proud of it. Like m- m- when I'm busy, I, it's like I'm validated and I know that's not necessarily a healthy thing, but well, it felt good. But yeah. then as everybody got tired, um, from what they were asking of us, everybody were, were falling like, like dead leaves. Yeah. So everybody was going on stress leave and it, the, the team just got smaller and smaller and got replaced by people who had no idea what foresight was and trying to fill the gaps. Like it was a a messy process. And unfortunately I was one of those dead leaves where I, I was put on stress leave by my doctor because I had panic attacks at nights. Um, cause I didn't feel like I was working enough. And that's when I decided to change departments because I'm like, I, I need a change. Like, it's too bad that I can't finish this awesome project, but my health, I need to listen to my body. Two years later, uh, actually I went, <laughs> so I did three different departments, but the last one, because like, I, I, I felt like I never fit in anywhere. Mm, yeah. The last department, um, was, uh, <laughs> it's like something you would never expect from me, but it was the department of nuclear safety <laughs> that okay. I worked last. <laughs> or were you making posters or what? Are you making warning signs? Uh, I, I, I don't technically, I don't even know why I was hired because there was no work <laughs> available for me, but I was mostly making social media posts. Yeah. Um, so the first day the team was amazing though. And like the people were just so loving and welcoming, which was amazing, but everything needs to be balanced, right? Like to, to be able to feel fulfilled, like even though the team was amazing, which the other place, the team wasn't, um, the work was not fulfilling. And I'm like, I have this huge resume of 
stuff that I've done yes. yet. I'm making Twitter posts mm. and it takes me 15 minutes. And then I'm checking my emails and refreshing my emails oh, dear. to see if there's more work coming in. And I was tired at the end of the day because I didn't do anything. So one place I was overworking, the other place I was not working enough. Um, and, yeah, and, almost, and I know how this sound people will be no. like, well, you're never happy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, well, I understand it. it. I understand. I trust. I understand what you're saying. I really do. I know there's a lot of people that would, and I've met them that would be very happy to do a day's work in 20 minutes and then just goof off the rest of the day and get paid for it. And they think mm -mm. it's a great life, but mm -hmm. it, you know, for, for people like us, I, I, you just die a little every day. And it's, that's it. I say that a lot. I've had jobs like that. I just, you just, it's awful. It's just awful. It is. And it's the spark, right? Like you have a spark because you're like, I am super passionate about what yeah. I do, everything, creativity and anything artistic. I love and not being able to do that when it's supposed to be blocked time to yeah. do that kills me. Yeah. I saw some of your work. I, I understand. I, and your posts and such. So, all right, let's, um, I think we beat this horse pretty, pretty well. <laughs> People are going to identify <laughs> with this. All right. So we let's, let's get you into the light. Okay. And, uh, yes. and, and, and so, um, now, um, some of the things, well, first of all, right off the bat, I like the fact that you prepared. So you didn't just, yes. you didn't just like one day get pissed off and, you know, pick, pack your box up and leave. No. So you, you, you did it the right way. I think, you know, you really I did. Think. And I, and I think that, um, so let's, so now our listeners are going to hear this. So like, here's okay, guys, everybody out there, <laughs> you're stuck in the cubicle. It's just my, you know, this is my analogy for it. Uh, you're in the cubicle, right? <laughs> you're or you're making the widgets. All right. You're done with it. All right. So let's not shoot yourself in the foot. So, all right, Izzy. So let's tell them what you did. I, I, I literally said to myself, okay, I'm not happy. I, this needs to change. And I'm the only one in control of my destiny and my career. Amen. So I need to, I need to think about this strategically. I looked at my calendar and I said, I'm giving myself a year where I will do everything at night after I'm done, since I didn't work at during the day anyways, right. I had some energy at night to prepare to be able to quit. And I did it backwards. Um, like I, I listed down all like the big goals and all what, all the things that I needed to be able to feel ready to quit. Cause I don't think you actually are ready or feel ready. It's like parenting. Like you, yeah. you know, you never really feel ready for that. Mm. Not that I know of, cause I don't have kids, but I can only assume, <laughs> um, so, and I did it backwards. I'm like, okay, this, these are all the things that I need. How can I work towards this? And then I split them into bite-sized goal that I would do like quarterly. All right. Just, so for, an, started, just for an example, yeah. what are a couple of things that you knew you needed and uh, a good website, okay. a good portfolio, okay. um, a, a brand, um, a client list and just starting to do some outreach. Okay. And you broke those down into smaller bites, bite-sized mm -hmm. pieces, So the website, right? the, yeah, the website would be, okay, um, like for one quarter, it would be like uh, write down all the content that I would need or prep like the mock-ups and the images that I would need for the website. Mm -hmm. Hire someone to, I really suck at copy. So 
I always work with copywriters. They are lifesavers for me. And you had cash flow. I did because I was working. Right. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it's other quarter build the website, make sure it's like all good. The links are good. Um, for the outreach, I would try to go to as many creative events that I could have. And I would tell people I'm planning on doing this. This is my exit strategy from the government. And I would be very, very local, uh, sorry, vocal about it. Um, because they were keeping me accountable too, right? Mm -hmm. If it's out into the world, now I need to act on it. Yeah. And also a good way to spread the word that I'll be available for work. I love it. Yeah. You're, you're doing the planning, you're breaking the big jobs down into small ones, uh, achievable, um, uh, goals. Um, you're, you're holding yourself accountable or you're getting other people who will be holding yourself accountable. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you're smart. (laughs) Yep. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I try. Yeah. My, my, my parents are proud. <laughs> oh, I'm sure a lot of people are. I'm proud of you and I don't even know you that well. I mean, we just met. Thank you. I feel like, yeah, this, this lady knows what she's doing. I like this. <laughs> um, so it's funny because all this planning actually got me to uh, like getting some work and at the six month mark, yeah. I was losing clients or potential clients because I was not available. Oh. And I knew that my department had financial difficulties. So I'm like, hmm, putting two and two together, there is an opportunity here. So uh, I, I am a very unapologetic person. I'd rather ask and get a no than never ask at all. Cause then you never know the outcome or yeah. the possible outcome. Love it. <laughs> so I went to see my manager and I said, listen, I won't lie to you. Um, I'm not thriving here. And I think that we could make an arrangement where I could maybe work part-time where you would still get like my most creative self here. And I know I can deliver because there's not that much work anyway. And the, the, the two other days, well, I could work for myself and build this business. Like they were, they were so nice that they, they, they knew that they could not necessarily fulfill my creative potential. Yeah. Yeah. So they accepted right away. And they became one, one of your clients. Um, not at the moment <laughs> they offered, but, Uh-oh. um, it's not in my niche. So, <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> but yeah, so, so they said yes. And from like, just having those extra two days instead of working at night was yeah. like so amazing. And even then I was, I didn't have enough time to, to do everything that I needed to do. Mm. So then when it came to December, because when I decided to work that full year it was january so it it fell like really perfectly on the calendar year and then december i f- I, I didn't feel 100 percent ready but one of the managers really rubbed me off the wrong way and i was just like you know what what's a couple more weeks i'm out <laughs> <laughs> all right you made your escape good for you that's awesome yeah <laughs> oh god yeah. Um, but you- I cried a lot that night and oh. because I was really, really scared. Uh, and I called, I called a few friends and I'm like, well, what have I done? And I e- even made like a plan the next day to like ask for my job back. 
But the next morning I'm like, you know what? Like I have not slept this well in a long time. So I, I know I made the right decision. Oh, so man. then awesome. I just went yeah. with it. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's such a good story. All right. So, um, let's see. All right. So we're into here about 30 minutes already. Believe it or not. Well, you only took you 33 minutes to tell your life story up to there. Oh my God. Sorry. Right. No, <laughs> no, it's great. Don't apologize. Now we're going to, now we're going to get into the good stuff, right? Um, yes. Yeah, I really wanted people to hear all these different steps um, that you went through, and there were, there were even more than I knew, um, which is good. And, you know, people can identify with this. Uh, there are a lot of people who they're really struggling to be able to get to where they want to go, you know, to be able to find that just that right place. It might not be that they're going to be employed somewhere or, our list, or, or that they're going to be uh, entrepreneurs, you know, our listeners, that's that's who we market to. That's who we, who we mm-hmm. cater, cater to, but it might even be just somebody that's happy to work for somebody else, but they're just struggling to find a right fit, you know. It's great to hear there are other people who have similar experiences, you know, and, and they're okay, right? They came out, you know, life is okay. It worked out. <laughs> so... <laughs> So let's talk about some of your creative projects. The Design Club. IP Design and the Ottawa Design Club was almost born at the same time because it's like when I had truly some time to work on the Ottawa Design Club. So the Ottawa Design Club is a local club (laughs) um, that caters to creatives. And we do speaker events, panels, workshops and zines technically we were supposed to do speaker events and panels pre-pandemic and we did have an event that was almost sold out five days before the whole country went in lockdown oh boy yeah so that's why we had to pivot and that's where we had the idea and i say we because i'm not the only one working with the ottawa design club i have a wonderful team oh Um, so that's when we pivoted and we started to offer workshops and that workshop actually we, we, and we kept them intentionally really small because we really wanted people to connect with one another. And we know for a fact that some friendships have flourished because of our workshops, which to us is like the best accomplishment that we, we can have. Give us an example of what one of your workshops might be like. Like, Mm. what do you do? (laughs) My favorite one was the mystery box. So we did it at La a la master chef, if you want, like Gordon Ramsay without the yelling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So we sent out at the very last minute, like right before the the workshop time where we met online, um, a link to a Google drive where there was design ingredients and like a brief, but the briefs weren't necessarily the same for everyone. And they did not know that they were going to design a poster. Oh, so the poster was actually an idiom, which is like seeing life through rose, uh, rose colored glasses. And then we gave like a style, and a color palette. So they needed to design a poster in an hour and a half yeah. following those guidelines. Nice. That was my favorite workshop. And this would this have been a digital poster? Yes. Oh. Uh, yes. It, and it, nothing was um, printed. It was just for fun. And we were talking about our process. And hmm. we even had Marianne Saint-Saëns, who works at the Senate, 
um, and is the um, creative director of that design team. And that's, that's something that she does with her team to get them inspired. And when we met her through the club, we're like, we, sh- we, sh- we have to do a workshop about this. Like, this is too good. Yeah. And we invited her and she helped us conduct the workshop. It was, it was really, really great. That was, it's one of my favorite workshops that we have done so far. Oh, that's awesome. And then and tell us about the, the zine. So that's it. So because we felt that after a full day of being online, when the world was hundred percent online, going onto a workshop, um, was maybe daunting for some people. So we weren't reaching our full community. Mm. So we had a chat and we were seeing all this amazing creativity happening on social media where people finally had the time to design for themselves. And we had this conversation and we said, wouldn't it be fun to just have like a documentation of this? Like, like we should like, you know, there must be a better way type thing, you know? Um, and that's when we had the idea of creating a zine. So the first zine was about quarantine creativity. And we just decided to have a call for submission and, see if people were going to be interested because we had no idea what we were getting into. We would just, we were going in at it blindly. (laughs) And we told ourselves if nobody sends a submission, then we'll know that there's no interest. Hmm. And funny enough, we got a lot of submissions and good ones too. But then we're like, okay, there's more that needs to go into this. We need to decide on the format, on the look and feel and like the rules and stuff like we need sponsors to be able to print this thing because we wanted to, it to be only printed again, like to reach the people that could not make it online. Mm. Um, so that, that was a really fun creative process to go through, to take all those decisions. So has this become just sort of like a labor of love or is this a profit center for you or, or for the group? So it's really, it's all, it's a labor of love. Everything is done voluntarily. Um, the money that we make with the zine, uh, well, when selling it goes back into making more zines. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just about exploring creativity. So every time we try to have a new theme and hide some, meaning into the design and some, some, you know, we try to reinvent the experience every time. So we will, you know, keep readers on their toes. And at the same time, we're trying to create some connections between creatives. And at first it started that a lot of the submissions came from Ottawa and outside Ottawa, but we just curated our Ford zine, which will come out in April and we had submissions from all over the world, which to us was amazing. Like, we're like, how yes. did this even happen? Oh my gosh. <laughs> that, is, mm-hmm. that is so cool. Now, how, how do these intersect with IP designs or don't they? Oh, they, they really do. Like everything that I learned from my business with IP design is definitely interconnected with Ottawa Design Club. Um, because it, because it is like both a, cre- a creative venture, uh, that's why it, the teachings are highly interchangeable in that way. Um, I so happened to be doing, um, the level C brand strategy certification, which I started 
at the same time as the zine. So everything that I was learning with brand strategy, I was implementing in the zine almost as a way to test the waters to see if I could really apply my learnings into an actual product that could teach me if I could maybe do it for someone else's business after, if that uh, makes sense. Yes. Perfect sense. Yeah. So IP design wants to serve businesses who truly wants to connect with their audience to create memorable experiences, whether this is via wonderful and beautiful designs or with immersive and multisensorial touch points to offer an experience to the clients and the audience. Tell me about uh, one of your successful uh, interactions with a client. I have this artist, um, which totally makes sense why we <laughs> we really hit it off. Her name is Mazarin Memon, and she is like a wonderful abstract um, and uses like a lot of colors and she's an Indian artist. So like she puts a lot of her culture and personality into her paintings. And uh, what started out as a website design turned out to be a coloring book where, but a different coloring book where she offered ink blots. So just like splash of colors, but very beautifully done um, and invite people to see shapes and like forms like into those ink, ink blots. So this is called pareidolias. Same concept as when you look up to the sky and you see a cloud that looks like a dog or a whale or anything in your imagination. Yeah. She is right now doing some workshops with th this book and offering that to corporate companies because it really helps them to see other things than what's just in front of them. And we are talking like, to make that immersive. Um, if we could maybe bring in scent or a, like a branded music to go with those workshops that is specifically attached to her experience and the experience that she's giving to the people taking the workshop. Oh, very good. Interesting. I imagine that every client is, is probably going to have some something unique, something interesting and different and unique. So uh, yeah, everybody might want a website, right? And so that could be mm -hmm. different, right? But uh, not everybody's going to have an abstract coloring book. You might, no. <laughs> you might come up with some other ideas. Are there some other things that you could think of right now that maybe you've uh, been involved with that that our listeners would find interesting or unique or maybe that Absolutely. Not the yeah. What, yeah. Hit us. I I think it was like, um, for one of the, the, my favorite ones anyway, uh, is, um, doing the branding for midnight blue, which is a eighties, nineties nightclub in Quebec city. I saw that. Um, I, it's oh, awesome. I saw, I saw photos <laughs> <laughs> probably on your Instagram. I stalked you a little bit before the interviews. <laughs> That's good. You're doing your job right. <laughs> thing is, the thing is, it didn't seem so old to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was pre-pandemic. It didn't so, seem so nostalgic yeah. to me. It was like, oh yeah, that was just yesterday. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's it's really great, and I love that they're trying to make that era fun for Gen Z at the same time. Um, and I have been so Quebec City is actually four hours uh, away from Ottawa. Yeah, and I've been like we, me and my fiance, we were traveling pre-pandemic, and we stopped by, and they 
we're actually opened, but they opened the club just for me because they wanted me to have the full experience. And it was like, I was walking in my own brain. Wow. I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is amazing. But like, I have to say that the owners like really took the concepts and pushed it to their limits. Yeah. And I kind of cut you off when you, when you introduced it, because, uh, it brought to, it brought to mind images of the thing, which was amazing. Did you do the interior design? Is that, did you do the concept or the installation or what, how were you involved? That's the cool thing because I didn't have to, um, the owners really took the brand style guide and like kind of mood boards that was created for them. And uh-huh. then they applied that and created this whole experience with the, the nightclub. Okay. So they invited artists to do the big murals like inside. They actually, I saw that they had a call out um, and asked people to donate old cassette tapes so they could create the lamps. Uh-huh. Um, it's like they, they are very hands-on and they're very creative people. It was great because it was like, like I, I gave them something that was 2d. Right. And then when I was able to uh-huh. finally visit it was all in 3d and, and being literally like immersed by this. I was like, Oh my God, like this is, this is amazing. <laughs> explain to people, explain to our listeners what a style guide might be. And that sort mm, of thing. It's a great question. A style guide. I um, call that almost like the rule book for the visual identity of your business. So inside a style guide, you would find the proper way to display your logos, all the colors that you're supposed to use to have brand recognition, the fonts that you're supposed to use for brand recognition and the fonts hierarchy. Um, you would have some, the, 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 the types of images that you're supposed to use. And if you have icons or illustrations that would be listed in your style guide as well. And if you're lucky, your designer will give you some examples of how everything works together. I give a PDF to the business owners. Um, I know that uh, some of my clients have printed them up because they, they want to have them handy for people maybe that are more analog, <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is great. Um, like, yeah, it's, it's like, a, a you can have them printed or digital up to you. But it's, it's really like a, a way to have like all the information on how to represent yourself visually as a business to make sure you have consistency. Yeah. And then did you, uh, su- you suggested the murals and things like that as well, the use of the cassette tapes and the boom box in the back. And was that part of, the ca- was that part yeah, of the design? Yeah. Uh-huh. The cassette tapes was highly pushed and they presented a few concepts, mm-hmm. um, on how that could be used. And like, maybe for like posters, like it could be remix night, Michael Jackson, or, other musics from, 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 from then. Uh, yeah. I'm not super familiar with yeah. that era. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so, and they really like that. And I'm like, it's, you could easily play up the colors and maybe even have like kind of a mini brand, like for those type of events and like play up the cassette tape specifically because it's, it's a nightclub. So music is at the heart of everything. And that's probably what's going to appeal people to come in and, and dance the night off. Um, so they really liked the cassette tape aspect and then they took that on their own and then created the visuals. Well, the, the interior design after the style guide. So what was supposed to be for promotional item, they took 
and pushed uh, to like a whole new other level, which was amazing. I would have loved to be part of that process, mm. um, but they didn't, they didn't need me yeah. <laughs> clearly. Yeah. No, that's great. Well, yeah. But everybody has their role to play in this creative process for this midnight blue. I think you said it was. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So one of the things I wanted our listeners to pay attention to are different things that you've mentioned specifically, things that you've done and kind of read between the lines. Creative people often struggle to earn a living and you found a way to do that. Our brains move too fast for <laughs> for most people <laughs> and even for us to get organized. <laughs> and uh, you've had some good opportunities to learn business skills at that nonprofit. Those are things that people can see and they might want to position themselves in a way to be able to take advantage of things like that, where mm-hmm. they might go to work, where they might want to look for a job. Maybe it's in a different industry, but they're going to have transferable skills because of the mentoring or training or opportunity to learn that they got there. Um, lots of good things. So I appreciate you sharing all of this. And um, uh, I did have a question about your zines because I was pretty impressed with them. And um, what have you not been able to add to the zines? You can't put a, a live pony in there. I know that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, cause you got a lot of stuff in there in those zines. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of really interesting things. And, and, um, and you wanted to be able to, um, did you put scent in one of them? Did you say? Yes. Um, well, somewhat. So the second one, um, was about pop culture Yeah. and okay. I'm going to geek out about this and I'm sorry if I'm taking a lot of time. No, that's good. That's fine. It's, it's, you're going to appreciate this. Okay. I know I kind of bounced around here with the interview too. So hopefully I didn't get you too confused. It's all good. I just, I just, um, there's so many interesting things. Again, that's my creative brain is moving all, all different directions at, this, at the it's same all good. time. So, uh, all right. I'm, geek. I'm having a lot of fun. So good. this right. is great. Awesome. We're going to geek. Go ahead. Yes. So the second zine after, after the first one, we were like, how can we offer like a new experience and keep people on their toes? Yeah. And what is really fun is that this is a very collaborative like project with the audience without the audience even knowing that they're collaborating because we get submissions from them and they inspire us back. So we give them a theme where we create the start of a narrative, but never the full narrative. Yeah. Technically it's when we get the submissions that that's what feels and they truly create like the full story. Um, and sometimes we think that, uh, you know, the narrative will go one way, but then we get the submission and it goes another way. Oh my God. I love this. this it's is, so great. This is, the impro- amazing. This, is, this, is the, this is the improv that I love. <laughs> I, oh my yes. gosh. This is what I, this is what I like about being in front of a live audience. <laughs> it's the back and right? it's that back and forth. And you've actually, achieve that with a zine oh my gosh mm-hmm. and we did not know that this was going to happen but yeah. with the first zine uh, there was one artwork by anna drennan and she, like it was so good and it was like um fan art of harry styles and it was like the, it has a bubble pink background uh, sorry, bubblegum pink background. And we really, really liked it, but it did not fit with the story that we were telling with Corn Zine, which was 
really much about how we felt during the quarantine and isolation. Mm. So we're like, hmm, but let's keep it in our back pocket and maybe we could use that for zine too. And so we did. So we had a call for submission and the theme was pop culture. And we were very intrigued. And at the same time, we felt that pop culture was going to be light and fun and really timely because it was about like that, you know, year in the pandemic where people needed that breath of fresh air and cheer up. Yes. And then we started getting submissions and we felt that there was like a double side of the pop culture, which we did not necessarily anticipate when we put out the call for submission. Um, there's a bad side of pop culture and it was laid out in front of us and we're like, wow, okay, this is really interesting. So then as we were kind of thinking of the narrative, we're like, well, we actually as humans consume pop culture like we consume bubble gum. Mm-hmm. Chew it, so, chew it up and spit it, it out. Exactly. And it's sweet for like yeah. just a, a fraction or not, maybe not a fraction, yes. but just a few seconds. Yeah. yeah. And then we toss it and, but then it takes a really long time to decompose in their ecosystem mm. and it stays there. And it's a marker of time. Pop culture is a marker of time. Yeah. So there is this really nice duality that's happening and we were seeing it again, like in, in the submissions, we're like, okay, this is really interesting. So we need to render this experience to people and we need to offer any, like a multisensorial experience whenever they're going through the, the zine. So we decided to just offer bubble gum at the same time as like, well, inside like the package. So they would chew the bubble gum at the same time as reading the zine. Yeah. And to make that like a full experience, we wait with all the submissions, uh, we asked everyone to submit a song that they were into at the moment. So we created a playlist that was associated with that zine. So to get the full experience, you had to scan the Spotify QR code, listen to the playlist, chew the bubble gum, and then read about pop culture in our zine. So you had touch, um, you had like the obviously seeing the artwork, um, taste and scent because of the bubble gum and music. So all your senses were triggered. A really cool experience. Yeah. And so Hannah, how do you top yourself? <laughs> the third edition celebrated our year in publishing. So it's a biannual publication. Mm-hmm. And um, we felt again, like we get inspired by the community and we felt that the emotions were raw at the time because like, you know, nothing was getting resolved and um, we're all fed up and tired and we, we missed the lives that we had before. Yeah. Um, So, and we're also tired of the fake. Right. Um, So we said, let's have like the theme should be raw, just raw and like all and explore like all the meanings of what raw means. So raw means uncompressed, unfinished. Um, when you take like a, a photography, right? It's in raw format. Like we started from there, but then we're like raw could be flesh. Raw could be emotions and, you know, just being true to yourself and like showing up without that filter. 
Um, so that attracted a lot of really interesting submissions and people got really personal with us, which we did not necessarily expect to see at that point. Mm -hmm. And it was great. And to top the experience, um, (laughs) what we did is we actually took all the submissions that were selected and did a big mood board with it. And we asked a DJ, which um, is called Matt Froninja. So we asked Matt Froninja, could you build us a specific set of beats um, just by looking at this mood board of artwork? Hmm. And then we added the QR code to access the set, like inside um, the first page. Mm-hmm. And for and we wanted to give like um, a raw finish to the zine, like even in its look. So the cover is actually craft paper. And because we wanted to reflect like the uniqueness of everybody and Mm. you know again like raw material <laughs> this was a true labor of love <laughs> is, this, is this the one you spray painted yes <laughs> oh gosh how many so it, uh we spray painted uh i think 500 um sheets that's a little that's a little bit of work <laughs> just a little yeah. and 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 we, we did like a bit of extra just because we weren't sure if it was sure. actually yeah. going to go into like the the printing machine oh, and a few was scrapped because some um pigments from specific sp- spray paints um was more um a um it would slide so yeah. it would not necessarily pick one sheet at a time it would pick a few at a time so the, the printing machine would block <laughs> so they were very patient with us to make this happen wow <laughs> all right and and so you've got more coming right so you've got one more that's ready to roll you probably can't say too much about it right because people haven't uh, haven't received i'll say it just enough i'll say just enough all right <laughs> Um, so the theme is origins and for the first time, we're actually splitting the themes into chapters. So this time it's about, well, origins, but split into identity traditions and culture. So again, like we invited people to be very vulnerable and open with us Yeah. and we will offer a lot of, um, printed slash digital experiences uh with the artwork so you'll need to have that phone handy because the experience does not just end at at the at flipping pages it's it goes beyond that wonderful i can i can can imagine i can imagine uh we get are we getting a little augmented reality maybe could that possibly be part of it I mean, if there's sponsors that are listening right now that would love to sponsor us, we would love to have Mm. money to offer augmented reality. Mm. That would be really Um, something if things pop right off the page. mm -hmm. Mm. It will be sort of like that. Like we're trying to cheat it off a little bit. Baby steps. Baby steps. Baby steps, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it still will be like an like an extension, like the experience. Yeah. It will be extended digitally. So, all right. Well, I got to get you connected with uh, Vince Kudlubik, uh, for with um, uh, Meow Wolf. So, you, oh. f- you familiar with Meow Wolf? Actually, oh. I'm not. Oh, okay. Well, I think you probably <laughs> that'll be the thing, first thing to do when we hang up. Okay. Check it out. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. taking notes right yeah. now. Stay in touch with me. And and uh, he's been on a couple of my podcasts. I, I don't know, 18 maybe. I can't remember if oh, episode, wow. episode 18 might be it. But uh, Meow Wolf was pretty pretty amazing. And he's connected. He has his own uh, 
his own company now as well. So he's connected with all these creative people around the country that make just amazing installations. Um, <gasps> and he's all about transformation and uh, it's just, uh, it's good stuff. And he's kind of a, he's a really sh- sharp guy. He's kind of a futurist in a way. Uh, I love, I love his thinking and, and uh, yeah, he's sharp. So I think you you'd probably like, you'd probably get a kick out of him. Um, and, um, Love it. and maybe he, you know, he might be able to, uh, I don't know, maybe something you guys could do together and be cool. That would be amazing actually. Yeah. Thank you. He's a good guy. All right. So people want to get in touch with you. They want to be involved with this somehow. Uh, where are they going to find you? Social media, Instagram. I know. It, right. Are they looking yes. for you or are they looking for, uh, Ottawa, uh, design club or what is it they're going to be searching for? I have three accounts. So pick, pick the best that you want. Okay. <laughs> um, so obviously the Ottawa design club is at OTT design club. If you want my business one, it's design underscore IP. And if you want my personal one where I get a little witty and goofy, um, it's already underscore Izzy. Oh, I need to do a breakaway just real quick and give a shout out to Will, Tom and Nate. There are three young guys who own ParlorCityFurniture.com. And they're now a sponsor of the podcast, which is awesome. And I have a a cool standing desk. It's motorized, goes from seated to standing. There's pre-recorded or pre-programmed positions. And we're going to be doing some upgrades in the podcast studio too. So they're super motivated, super cool. Uh, They want to help you. They're very excited about their business. They ship globally. You can find out more at ParlorCityFurniture.com. Back to the show. Okay, we're almost done, but we're not, okay? So hang on. Okay. It's time to answer the questions. I double dare you. All right, Izzy, it's time for the questions. And uh, these are the questions. And oh, yeah, yeah, you didn't know about this, I know, because I usually don't tell people. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) because I don't want them to get scared. All right, so here we go. We got a few questions for you. Are you ready? Question number one. Who do people tell you that you look like? Hillary Duff all the time. Really? Yeah. Now, is this the old Hillary Duff or, or is this the current Hillary Duff? Like, is this the, uh, is this the Hillary <laughs> Duff from the, from the TV days or just the uh, musician Hillary Duff? I don't know. I wish it's oh. the current one. Cause I think she's, she looks awesome. Not that I want to give, <laughs> like give myself a compliment, but, okay. um, like I did get, uh, Lizzie McGuire a few times. So I guess it's the old, like, I don't know. <laughs> okay. I guess that was the one. Uh, all right. Question number, that's nice. Yeah. Question number two, give us, well, I'll make it easy. We've been in here for a long time. Just give me one. All right. Give me the one top amazing thing about Ottawa that nobody else knows that you want the world to know. Oh my, um, we have a lot of great restaurants, like amazing food here. Okay. I don't know if that was good enough. <laughs> yeah. Wait, hold on. Yeah. Great restaurants. All right. What's, what's your favorite? Oh man. I don't know. Cause there's, well, it's not a good art, art, artsy town you were telling me. So it's like, so do they have like, um, what's the decor like in these restaurants? Do they have like, um, velvet Elvis paintings or something on the wall or, or like dogs playing cards or, or do they have like real artwork or what? <laughs> What's, so it's it it's like? really interesting because it goes from like like having murals on the wall from being super bougie and Instagram polished perfect. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It, yeah, it's really it's really cool. There's like it Ottawa's becoming 
something like it's we're in between Toronto and Montreal, right? So yeah. Montreal is the cool sister and Toronto is like the hip brother, but, and we're kind of like, you know, almost out of the growing pains right now. Oh, okay. I, I know <laughs> Toronto. That was Toronto is like very cosmopolitan, I guess, or at least it used to be. I assume it still is. I haven't been there in a while, but interesting. It's well, very to, artsy now. What are you eating in Ottawa at these restaurants? Um, I mean, we have everything, but yep. I know for a fact that are, everybody who eating? visits, oh, what am I eating? Hmm. Oh, that's really, the, so I'm not the type of girl that has like one favorite thing. Okay. I'll, I'll, it's like a mood thing all the time. So it's like in the moment, like I, I don't even have a favorite color. It's, it's like your, my favorite color of the day. Your fiance <laughs> calls, your fiance calls and says, I'm making you dinner. What do you tell him you want to eat? <sighs> or her? Wherever. him yeah okay um i don't know sushi okay <laughs> yeah like today would can, be sushi wait can tomorrow he, can might he, be pizza can he make sushi or is he is he ordering out or ordering um, in or whatever you say he, you know is he, is order, he uh, take out yeah. so he would usually order out although when we started dating he did try to make like homemade sushi and i was very very impressed Nice. Okay. Mm -hmm. Kudos to him. What's his name? Give him a shout out. Matt. Matt. Matt's here. Hello. <laughs> Matt, he Matt is there. What you said? No, I, I just said hello. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I'm sorry. I thought you said Matt was there. I thought he's been listening all this time. All right. Number three. Um, if you could speak with a famous person, dead or alive, who would it be, and what would you talk about? Hmm. I think it would be Steve Jobs. Again, this is like a, a mood thing. Yeah. Okay. And I would, I would ask like what would you do different hmm. and learn, well, learn about it, obviously. <laughs> and, uh, what, um, category are you thinking like, um, do different in business in his life or in I think in all of the above, because hmm. I think that his business was his life. Yeah. 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 Is there anything in particular that you were thinking about that maybe you thought he could have done differently or should have? I think, um, yeah, like when he was booted out of his company, um, I think that's like, he could have probably seen the signs and maybe treat people better. Cause I, I know that he was, um, he was difficult to work with yeah. visionary. Um, like I really admire his grit and like being able to you know, called trends and, and really get into the mind of people. He, he is a branding expert when you think about it. Yeah. And I would just ask like, if you could do it again, like what, how would you make like this smoother transition maybe to, to get to where you want to like, get where he wanted to be. It'd be interesting to hear what he would say. And if, if he would do it differently. Mm -hmm. that's yeah. that's true maybe not who knows It'd be interesting if he would say no i'd do it exactly the same way only i'd be more demanding or something oh. you know? right, demand, <laughs> then i would I be would like demand check it. please <laughs> <laughs> demand it faster <laughs> better bigger better faster all right let's see uh, last one well, usually this is a coaching question i like to ask uh, people a coaching question but you've kind of uh set a really interesting example for our listeners so i'm, I'm gonna do it a little differently. And, um, okay. so in retrospect and being, um, uh, introspective, could you identify one particular trait 
or one particular skill that you've called upon, maybe in a critical time in your journey or something that you've used regularly that sort of helped you keep moving in the direction that you wanted to go, even though sometimes maybe you didn't know where you were going, but you got to keep moving, right? So you can always, Mm. can always change, you know, you zigging and zagging is a life of an entrepreneur anyways. So this is, this is for our listeners. What I noticed most recently was being unapologetic Mm. and like be daring to ask like questions and just being daring to show up too, because you never know what can happen out of that. And it has paid off for me personally. Yes. Wonderful. Well, listen, Izzy, thank you so much. This has been really cool. And uh, thank you. it was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. I just, I just felt great energy from you from the very beginning. So those are always the best. I love doing this to begin with, but I have the most fun when there's some little something clicks, a little spark, something's happening. Don't know what it is, uh, but it's, uh, it's definitely fun. Uh, I'm going to play the outro now, so don't go away. That concludes another episode of Going Boldly. I hope you were entertained and you discovered at least one nugget of wisdom or advice that you can put into action immediately. Or maybe you received some inspiration from today's episode. And I'm certain you know at least one person who needs this podcast. Please share it with them. You might be the important link that will change their life for the better. Subscribing means you will not miss an episode. And it will make it easier for me to schedule guests because I can show them that the audience is growing. So please subscribe. It will benefit us all. Let me know how I can make this show even better. Leave a comment and send me a DM. I read everyone personally, and I do my best to respond to each and every one. As a thank you, I'll be awarding prizes. And to keep you on your toes, the winners will be randomly selected from names I find in the comments, shares, DMs, and from the list of subscribers. Prizes might be Going Boldly merch or products supplied by my guests or just something random and fun. But you have to comment, share, DM, or subscribe to be eligible to win. A special thanks to Brenna Swanger at Waverly Manor Studios for our great theme music. And finally, thanks for listening. Go boldly, keep at it, and wash your hands.